0: Good morning and welcome in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City uh, Sunday morning worship podcast. I'm Pastor John Witham. In order to protect our church members and to show love to our neighbors in light of this coronavirus that has damaged our city, our state, our nation, and our world, we have suspended services for now. Uh, But we hope and pray that as we Worship together through podcast that the Holy Spirit would be present where you are We know that there is nowhere that the presence of the Lord is not And so we know that in your home or in your car or wherever you are listening to this that you are uh, Able to be in the presence of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ Uh, This morning we will worship in music. We will worship through prayer We will worship through the reading of God's word and through the proclamation of God's word. And through all of it, we pray that you are lifted up, encouraged, and blessed.
1: Praise Him, all you sinners. Sing, oh, sing, you weary. Oh, praise him, all you children of God. We lift high his glory, shown throughout our stories. We praise him as the Children of God, our great Redeemer, glorious Savior, your name is higher than the rising sun. Light of the morning, you shine forever, your name is higher than the rising sun your name is higher than the rising sun praise his name forever speak it loud and clear now Oh, praise Him, all you children of God. Our great Redeemer, glorious Savior, Your name is higher than the rising sun. Light of the morning, You shine forever, Your name is higher than the rising sun. Your name is higher than the rising sun. Your name is higher than the rising sun.
2: Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Father, we bow before you, you who are Lord of the universe. And again, we come to worship you on this Sunday morning. Not in a traditional church building, but in our homes. And even though we're not meeting in a church, it's still right and proper to worship you. Lord, I pray and I thank you for keeping us safe again another week. I also pray for those in our congregation who are not well those who are also having treatments. And I pray that you would place your hand upon them and they would feel your love that you have for them and that you would protect them as they go through these difficulties. Lord, we have a numbers in our congregation who are quite vulnerable to the COVID virus and I ask that you would protect them also. And Lord, I know you will make yourself available to each and every one of them because you are a God who wants to help. I also pray for our church. I pray for our HOPE program, and I thank you, Lord, that we're able to provide food to those who need it. And we do that to the best that we can. Lord, I pray for our country as we're going through this time. It's been a while that we've been asked to stay in our homes and social distancing and not much human um, um, meeting together. But yet, Lord, there are things we can do, and I ask that we take those means that we have and that we do them, that we reach out and we touch someone. Maybe it's someone we haven't talked to for such a long time, What better time than now to make reacquaintance? Lord, we can send notes to those and give encouragement if someone is discouraged. Lord, I pray for our country. I pray for the leaders of this country. And I ask, Lord, that there be a turning back to you as we go through this crisis. And, Lord, I ask that Many people during this time, they turn to you because they don't know what to do. And I hope, Lord, this is a lasting revival in this country. And then we get back to the principle of one nation under God with liberty and justice for all. And as I conclude this prayer, I would like to read the 23rd Psalm. And I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the dark valley of death, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You welcome me as a guest, anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. In your precious name I pray, amen.
3: Our scripture this morning is Luke 24, verses 35 through 49. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road, and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost, "'Why are you frightened?' he asked. "'Why are your hearts filled with doubt? "'Look at my hands. "'Look at my feet. "'You can see that it's really me. "'Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost "'because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do.' "'As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. "'Still they stood there in disbelief, "'filled with joy and wonder. "'Then he asked them, "'Do you have anything to eat?' They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he ate it as they watched. Then he said, well, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with the power from heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of my favorite movies is Ocean's Eleven. I love heist movies in general, but Danny Ocean and his crew of grifters, con men, and thieves hold a special place in my heart. They decide to rob not one, not two, but three Las Vegas casinos all at once. There's a plan, a carefully made, precise plan, that has to go exactly right in order for everything to fall into place. And everything goes smoothly until, inevitably, it doesn't. A piece of equipment vital to their plan is not as available as they'd thought. Saul seems to be suffering from medical issues. Linus bristles under unfamiliar authority. Yen injures his hand. Rusty doesn't trust that Danny is doing this for the right reasons. The whole plan seems to be crumbling before their eyes. That's where the disciples seem to be in today's passage. There is this great plan. Jesus, the Messiah, would save them from persecution, would sit on the throne and rule over all the earth. And then everything went to hell. They were betrayed by one of their own. Jesus was arrested, beaten, and sentenced to death for blasphemy and insurrection. Jesus, their friend, their leader, their Messiah, Died. They were probably next. They retreated, they went into hiding, and they had no idea what to do next. And now Jesus' body was missing. Some of the women said he was alive. Mary Magdalene said she'd talked to him. Cleopas and Joanna reported that he'd taught them along the road to Emmaus. But none of that could be true. Jesus was dead. And while he told them that he would rise again, they thought that meant in the last days. Now wasn't the last days. Now was just now. And then Jesus showed up. Right there in what John 20, 19 tells us was a locked room where they were reclining on their couches for supper, where they'd just been discussing him. Have you ever been talking about someone... And then suddenly they showed up. How about this? Have you ever been talking about someone who's dead? (laughs) And then suddenly they showed up. He told them, peace be with you. But how could they be peaceful? Jesus was clearly a ghost. And they were terrified. Even more than they already had been. Now they were probably being hunted down by the Jews who thought that they were heretics. And their leader was a ghost. Jesus didn't greet them with, hey guys, what's up? Or, it's good to see you, my friends. He said, peace be with you. Basically, he said, calm down, don't freak out. Because he knew that his appearance was startling. He knew that they would be frightened. And that, they, that the way he appeared would make him seem like a spirit. And so Jesus was patient with them. He didn't offer them signs from heaven that they wouldn't understand. He simply said, Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies, as you see that I do. He gave them physical proof of his humanity because that's what they needed. And then they still didn't believe. At least now they were thinking this can't be true. It's too good to be true. So Jesus did what he always did. He ate. So many times we've seen Jesus sit down for a meal with friends, with followers, in a field with 5,000 hungry people, with sinners like Zacchaeus, at a wedding with his mother. One of the last things Jesus did with his disciples just four days before was to share a meal, to break the bread and serve the wine, and teach them the practice of communion. But but Jesus didn't sit down to eat with his disciples because he was hungry. Jesus ate with them to show them that he was not a ghost and that he could handle and eat physical food. But I think that the familiar actions didn't hurt as he tried to calm his friends. When he said, peace be with you, he didn't just mean calm down, don't freak out. Jesus' peace, according to Philippians 4, 7, is the peace of God which transcends all understanding, which guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It is a rich, deep, and lasting peace. The disciples' minds were whirling. They were shaken after the events of the past few days, and they desperately needed that peace. Sometimes our minds in troubled times need that peace as well. A hurricane is a storm with winds that exceed 74 miles per hour. Rain, thunder, and lightning usually accompany the winds. Hurricanes can be very fierce storms with relentless pounding winds that continue hour after hour. But every hurricane has an eye, a place of perfect calm in its center. Though the winds blow and rage all around it, there are none in the eye. In the storms of our lives, when worries and troubles rage around us, if God is our center, if we focus on and put our trust in him, there is calm and peace, even in the darkest of life's storms. The disciples were told over and over again that Jesus had risen and had spoken to several people, but they couldn't accept it. They didn't expect it. They didn't expect Jesus to be raised from the dead or to keep appearing. As with most people, they had to be persuaded. And Jesus did just that. Do you think that Jesus would take the risk that doubts would appear again after he was gone? He was there to convince every one of them of the reality of his human body. So he offered his hands and his feet as proof. He showed them the wounds from his crucifixion. He demanded that he be handled with the command, Touch me. He used his humanity to calm their fears, to ease their doubts, and to help them understand what was to come next. But before they talked about what was to come, Jesus sat down with them and went through the scriptures about him, just as he had done earlier with Cleopas and Joanna. Now, this is not the first time the disciples had heard this. From the moment they believed that he was the Messiah, he told them what would happen. He told them what the plan was, that he would suffer and die, and that he would rise again on the third day. Now, when he said he would suffer, he didn't say he could suffer. It was certain. It was 100% the plan that Jesus would suffer. He knew what would happen. He accepted his part in the plan as he taught his followers, as he performed miracles and healing, and in Luke 9 when he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Jesus told, his, Jesus told his disciples the plan over and over again. In fact, he told them twice in Luke 9. In verse 22, he says, The Son of Man must suffer many terrible things. He will be rejected by the elders the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He will be killed, but on the third day he will be raised from the dead. And again in verse 44 he said, Listen to me and remember what I say. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. Over and over and over again. But they never understood what it meant. And then it happened. Everything he'd said and they still didn't understand. The women told them that Jesus had risen just as he said, and they didn't believe them. Peter even ran to the tomb. He saw that Jesus wasn't there, and he was just confused. Cleopas and Joanna told them that they'd seen and talked with Jesus, and they didn't understand. Jesus appeared before them, and they still didn't understand. Even once they believed that he was human and not a ghost, they didn't understand what was happening. The disciples thought they believed. They believed in Jesus, they believed in the Old Testament scriptures, but they didn't take the scriptures at their word. They didn't believe that when the scriptures said that the Messiah would suffer and die, that Jesus would suffer and die. They didn't believe that when the scriptures said that he would rise again on the third day, that it meant that Jesus would die on a Friday and rise on Sunday. And if they didn't take the scriptures at their word, then they didn't really believe in Jesus. Jesus was patient with their unbelief, just like he's patient with our unbelief. And if you claim that you've never had a moment of unbelief, then I would say that you must have never taken a bold leap of faith. When God asked me to lead the youth group, to teach teenagers about him and what it means to follow him, I asked myself, is this going to work? Do I really know enough to do this? For at least a moment, I did not believe that God would provide me with everything I needed to build his kingdom. But he didn't punish me for that. He was patient, and he pointed me towards the resources I would need, taught me how to address a group of people And showed me that the best and the easiest way to reach teenagers is to love them. For the disciples, it took Jesus, standing in front of them, teaching them, three days after his death, for them to start believing. For them to start understanding why everything had happened. Why Christ had to suffer. Why Christ had to die. Why he was dying for the sins of the world. Why he was risen again. And what kind of savior he really was. One of my favorite parts of heist movies is the bit towards the end. When they go back through everything that happened, all the setbacks and the glitches, and they show you how it was all part of the plan. We just didn't understand it at the time. In Luke 24, 45, and 46, it says, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago, that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. Now that Jesus was repeating the words that he'd said to them time and time again, they finally understood. In Ocean's 11, we see Danny potentially messing up the job when he gives into to temptation and makes dangerous contact with his ex-wife Tess and her new boyfriend, the owner of the three casinos that they're trying to rob, We and Danny's partners don't understand why he would do such a stupid thing, giving his rival a heads up that something is happening and giving him an opportunity to foil the heist. But what we don't know is that Danny uses that opportunity to open up communication with Tess, allowing her to see how terrible her boyfriend is and giving her a reason to escape a toxic relationship and to potentially reconcile with Danny at the end of the movie. Jesus goes back into the entire Old Testament. He references the laws of Moses, which is the first major section of the Old Testament. He talks about the prophets, the second major section, consisting of the former prophets and the latter prophets, both major and minor. And he references the Psalms, which refers to the third major section of the Old Testament called the writings, which contain the rest of the books of the Old Testament. Jesus views the Old Testament as a unit, and its prophecy concerning him is not contained to a few incidental passages. The entire unit centers in Christ. None of it would have existed without him, and none of it can now be properly understood without him. But that's not the end of the plan. Verse 47 says that there is a third part, and this is the part that we are still in today. Forgiveness of sins for all who repent. The message is to be sent to all nations, and the message is clear. There is amnesty and forgiveness for all who repent. Amnesty is not a word we use very often. Its definition is an official pardon for those who've been convicted of offenses. A few years ago in Australia, the police offered a three-month amnesty period when people could surrender their unregistered weapons without fear of prosecution. You bring your guns to the police so they could safely dispose of them, and they wouldn't ask you if you'd committed a crime with them, how you got them, or what you'd been doing with your rocket launcher. If you turned in your homemade briefcase machine gun, you were free from the consequences of whatever you'd done with it previously. Your local library often has a fee amnesty period. You've been holding onto that book for so long that the fee for returning it is 10 times what the book is worth. But for a period of time, you can turn your book in, and all the fees are waived. The library just wants their book Jesus has provided us with sin sin amnesty. We sin all the time, and the consequence of sin is death and hell. But Jesus died to waive that consequence for us. It's already been taken care of. All we have to do is repent, to turn our lives to follow God's commands. And we are free from hell, free from eternal damnation, free to spend an eternity with God. That's a pretty good deal, and I would encourage you to take it. After all, there isn't a multitude of paths that lead to God. People can't just believe what they want and still get that amnesty and forgiveness. There is one path that leads to God, and that path is through Jesus Christ. We can't do anything to forgive ourselves. That's not how it works. We can only be forgiven through belief in Jesus. So Jesus summarizes the Old Testament for us in four sentences. The Messiah will suffer and die. He will rise from the dead on the third day. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. And this message will be proclaimed to all nations. Jesus gave us three words that start with P. That should give us peace. The first is Jesus gave us a purpose for our lives. In verse 48, he says, you are witnesses of all these things. He didn't say, go convince people to follow me. There's a difference between an evangelist and a witness. An evangelist is a person who seeks to convert someone to their faith. Witnesses simply share what they have seen, heard, and experienced. Witnesses say, Come and see what I have seen. Jesus wasn't expecting them to go from that room as experts. He simply wanted them to go out and talk about what they saw. Every one of us is called to be a witness. The second word, Jesus made us a promise in verse 49. He said, I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. That day, for the disciples, would come in several weeks' time at Pentecost. For us, according to Acts 2.38, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit when we repent of our sins and are baptized. If you've done that, then the Holy Spirit is with you. And finally, Jesus promised to fill us with power from heaven. Verse 49 continues, But stay here in the city, until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with the power from heaven. He told them to shelter in place, to stay put and wait for the power that they would receive. This is vital for us. Until we have that power of the Holy Spirit, until we have repented and received the power from heaven, we are not ready to go out and be witnesses. The Book of Common Worship says this, You cannot bear the weight of this calling in your own strength, but only by the grace and power of God. Pray, therefore, that your heart may daily be enlarged and your understanding of the scriptures enlightened. Pray earnestly for the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what does this mean for us? It means that if this is the first time you're hearing this message, that you need to turn away from the way you're living your life and turn it to God. Repent and ask for the forgiveness that Jesus has provided for us. Ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit to fill you and empower your life for God. And if you've already repented, if you've already been forgiven, then go out and tell others. Share the news of this amnesty. Share the good news about forgiveness. Be a witness for Jesus Christ.
1: You are the word at the beginning. One with God, the Lord most high. Your hidden glory in creation. Now revealed in you, our Christ. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my What a beautiful name it is Nothing compares to this What a beautiful name it is The name of Jesus You didn't want heaven without us So Jesus, you brought heaven down My sin was great, your love was greater, what could separate us now? What a wonderful name it is, what a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ my King. What a wonderful name it is nothing compares to this what a wonderful name it is the name of jesus what a wonderful name it is the name of jesus death could not hold you the veil tore before you you silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory, for you were raised to life again. You have no rival, you have no equal, now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory, yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is, what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ my King. What a powerful name it is, nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus.
0: We thank you for worshiping with us this morning, and we pray that as we have worshiped together, that you have felt the power of the Holy Spirit uh, and the presence of the resurrected Jesus uh, in your home uh, and in your heart. The church office, through, uh, through all of the, the stay-at-home order, is going to be closed. However, the phones will be open. Life is difficult sometimes, and sometimes you have questions about uh, which way to go, what to do. Uh, maybe you're nervous or anxious or afraid. We invite you to call the church office uh, Monday or Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 830 to noon. Uh, someone will answer and will be available to help you. You can also get a hold of us through email on the church website at onebaptistchurch.org. We'd like to thank Melissa Mellinger for proclaiming God's word this morning. Thank Jim Leatherman, our church moderator, for his prayer this morning. We'd like to thank our audio engineer, Gary Hunley, and his assistant, Doreen Hunley. And we'd like to thank Katie Witham for moral support and coffee provision. And remember, love God, love your neighbor, and wash your hands. Amen.